Welcome to the latest episode of Time Added On, and Happy New Year, Tom. We haven't uh, we haven't done an episode in two weeks now. It feels uh, feels like a, a long time ago. How you been? Ha- good festive period. Yeah, all good. Thank you. Happy New Year, everyone. Yeah, no, it's been all right, mate. It's been all right. Um, yeah, obviously uh, into a new year where I'm hoping Forest can improve. Unlike 2020, which was a car crash for many reasons, but especially for Forest as well. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna put it out there up front, uh, especially because if I have a coughing fit, uh, people might think what the hell's going on. But yeah, I had quite a, a quite a uh, an interesting festive period, obviously. So I had my my little son. My uh, son was born just before Christmas, which was which was brilliant. But then 48 hours later, came down with COVID. So for the last uh, last two weeks, or pretty much, or last week and a half. I've been pretty much uh, tucked up in bed or, or trying to, I wish I was tucked up in bed to be fair, but was trying to get through that. So uh, yeah, memories a little bit hazy of, of, of some of these, of some of these games and some of the action. Um, but yeah, tiredness and uh, COVID is still very much gripping me. So if I have a coughing fit, don't worry. Uh, let's, let's talk, but talk about your new little one, Jack, little Jack. who unfortunately He's probably going to end up being a Forest fan. What what a shame! What a well, he's got the kit. God. He's got the kit. He's not worn it yet. I've not had it on him. Uh, he's a big lad, to be fair. I bought a. You had to. I think I bought a three to six month, and uh, he came out. He's pretty much eleven pounds when he was born, so he could probably fit in it now. To be fair, um, he's probably big enough to um, <laughs> enter that ball from Stoke. Yeah, yeah, better than what our own players did. Probably my other little one, Isabel. She's um, she also got a new Forest shirt. For Christmas, and she will not take it off. I was a very proud daddy actually over Christmas. She, uh, I was getting a dress one day, and she she was adamant that she wanted. She was going to her cousin's for the day. She was adamant that she wanted to go and wear that. Um, and when she got home, she wouldn't take it off and went to bed in it as well. So, um, kids, eh? Idiot. Yeah. Well. Yeah. I mean, it's, God, volunteering to put put a fire shirt on. Well, not wanting to I take mean, it off was the bit that got me, but. Um, Forest have given me a £10 voucher to spend on a new shirt and I refuse to spend it. So, you know, what can you do? Uh, yeah, both of them are... Uh, well, Isabel loves it. Whenever we're um, watching the matches, she she gets well involved. So she's only three. Uh, but she absolutely loves it. But yeah, Jack, I've got a bit of a... I'm going to have a bit of a... If Forest don't pull the fingers out and get promoted ASAP, I might have a bit of a battle on my hands there. Obviously living out down here in, um, in South End. West Ham is not far away, so I'm gonna have a battle on my hands. But there's no way I'm taking well, him. As long as it's not bloody, as long as it's not bloody south. Oh, well, it's even worse. No, well, they are close. I mean, they are literally ten minutes down, down the court, round the corner from me. But um, yeah, I uh, I won't be going south end, and I will not be taking him to West Ham. But uh, we, I'm sure, I'm sure he'll want to follow in our footsteps, Tom, and uh, and support Forrest for his uh, for his sins. But yeah, it's been. Um, been a decent festive period on the pitch. Um, but obviously, we've been able to extend our, our unbeaten run to five games, which I mean, a good few weeks ago, you wouldn't have wouldn't even thought that was around the corner. Um, two draws, one win from Boxing Day, obviously, through to New Year's Day. Will Chris Hewitt and Forrest be happy with that return, Tom? I'd, I'd say that's a good, good haul based on where we've kind of been in, in the last month or so. Yeah, it's weird. I think he'd probably be happy with that, but probably not in the order he probably expected to do it. I reckon he probably would have expected three points at Birmingham, a point at Stoke and a point at Preston. But hey, he, he's got the, the points on the board that they would have wanted. And it just means you're going to the new year 
on a bit of a high compared to the constant low since um, I was going to say mid 2020, but probably early 2020 uh, that Forest had been in that slump for quite some time. So um, yeah, it's a nice little unbeaten run, but it's important that they build on it now for the at the start of uh, 2020. Yeah, yesterday felt like a big win, just purely because obviously with Sheffield Wednesday getting that win against Derby on New Year's Day, obviously that put us straight into the bottom three on New Year's Day, which is, you know, it's not a place you want to be uh, at any point, but obviously going in with, with kind of new hope and optimism into the new year, that's not a place where you want to be. So I think to get out of there, pretty sharpish. Um, the win yesterday, obviously, I know there's quite a few games called off because of COVID, um, but the win obviously took us up to 19th and with no league fe- fixed in next weekend due to the FA Cup, it just gives them a little breather again, just to kind of reassess where they are and, and obviously try and continue that run. And we'll talk about the, the FA Cup and how we approach that. I mean, I, I you know, you want to continue that run going next week against Cardiff, but certainly from a league, uh, from a league point of view, um, it, it, it kind of sits them in good stead now. Um, and obviously we can't, we, you know, we're going to have to talk about it. We're on the third now, fairly Jan. We're obviously, we are in to the January window. Um, and Chris Hewitt is now going to have the opportunity to put his mark on the squad. So we'll we'll talk a little bit about that later on in terms of what that means, what that might look like. Um, I think we've talked at length about how after the summer, we just got a little bit fatigued with um, transfers. So I don't foresee a huge amount of activity um, over the next four or five weeks, but you would expect activity nonetheless. Yeah, yeah. I'm sick Steph, speaking about transfers and we've had a small break. I think Forrest are keeping Jim White in a job alone, to be fair. But um, yeah, you probably expect Forrest to dip in. You know, Hewton's obviously only really brought in knockout. Um, but obviously we'll go on to talk about it in a bit more detail. But yeah, undoubtedly they'll um, be dipping their, their fingers into the transfer window again. Cool. So let's recap on on the games over the festival. Oh God, my cough's coming. <coughs> Sorry. Um Let's look over the games, obviously, across that festive period. I think, for me, the three performances over Christmas were solid, if unspectacular, probably. And that's not to play down the the points return, because I said, I think five points from those runner games, um, Stoke and Preston away as well, where we we don't particularly tend to pick up points, or we haven't historically picked up too many points there. Um, Five points from from the runner games that we've had is not to be sniffed at. But the performances probably overall wouldn't really be where Chris Hewton would probably want them to be still at this time now in his tenure. No, no, I think you're, you're spot on there. And I think, you know, the Birmingham one is a big red flag for me. Then 45 minutes in the Stoke game is a big red flag. But then 45 minutes will go. That's exactly what I would have wanted them to have done. And then the Preston game, I reckon, although unspectacular, was probably what he expected and wanted them to do. So, a bit of a mixed bag, probably, in those three Yeah, games. I mean, they were consistent. I think that the way they approached the games and some of the problems that we've got, I think the performances were, were consistent. There was a sprinkle of both positives and negatives in each match, and we'll we'll talk a little bit about some of those. But I think where, where it has helped is obviously team selection over the festive period has been consistent. So there's only obviously there was the one change for Birmingham, which was Fidorito coming in for, for Ember. So which I think we were a little bit surprised about. Um Figueredo had quite a decent afternoon. I mean there wasn't much doing to be fair. Uh <clears throat> against quite a poor Birmingham side. 
and then just the one change then at Stoke, just mixing up a little bit. Knockout coming in for Mighton, um, and then unchanged at Preston. That that obviously consistency from a team selection when Forest have got the squad and the personnel that they've got. Um, that consistency will obviously has obviously helped performances a, a touch because there's a level of base understanding now that you can see on the pitch. Yeah, yeah, I think you know he's obviously tried to keep a bit of consistency, and that that is starting to to come to fruition now in terms of what that looks like on the pitch. Like you say, that I think I was slightly surprised and a little bit miffed at the time in terms of Embiso getting drops for Figueiredo. Um, but look, he, he obviously likes likes what he sees in Figueiredo and probably does a job in certain games and probably has more confidence in him in certain games in the Championship that, that he probably doesn't in, in Embiso for, for whatever probably reason. Probably just age and experience, uh, you know. I, I thought he, he, he'd had a good couple of games. Um, we talked on the pod a couple of weeks ago about the, the slight slip that he made against Millwall, but obviously made up for it with, with the assist. There's probably the, the the run of games into in terms of Birmingham, Stoke, and Preston. I mean, they are three out and out championship sides, and you know what you're going to get with those three sides. They're going to be a little bit rough and ready, if you like. Um, can be physical, can be direct. Um, Preston can obviously play a bit. Stoke can play a bit. So it's probably doing a little bit of an unjust uh, service there. But you know what you're going to get. They've got a couple of big lads up top. And obviously, Figueredo with McKenna being injured just offers you that, you know, to, to use the phrase certainty again. But you, you, you know that he's going to be able to handle himself and say maybe Ember so the thought process that he's not quite there yet to be thrust into, into that level of action. But he's certainly not letting anyone down when he's playing. And yeah, I was, I was disappointed. But I, I suppose I can, on the flip side of it, I can see and I can understand the, the thought process there a touch. Yeah, I get it. I do get it. I mean, obviously, they didn't really play Jukovic, which probably would have been my main concern. Well, he came on late yeah. on, didn't he? But, you know, obviously, they had Hogan up front who offers next to nothing um, half the time. Um, but uh, it was a real damp squid of a game, weren't it? Oh, it's awful. I mean, Absolutely dreadful. Oh, I mean, there's not much that we can talk about on this one. It'll be a quick skip over because it was was Boxing Day. The fact that we can't be there on Boxing Day uh, is obviously, you know, upsetting enough. But never mind how how rubbish it was to watch it at home. I mean, the quality wasn't there whatsoever from either team. No, no, no. It was was dreadful. It was was one of those games as well where I really fancied this to come out. Obviously, we'd had a couple of decent results in the the run-up to this. And you're thinking, right, really go at Birmingham and, and put them to the sword, if you like. And, and you know, Ita Karanka's teams have, have got a bit about them as well. And they weren't, they weren't on a great run of form, obviously, Birmingham. Um, and even worse, after they played us, actually, they obviously got absolutely smashed by Derby to make it to make matters uh, to make matters worse. But, yeah, it was terrible. It just never really got going. I think if both sides were still playing now, um, neither of them would have scored. Um, I mean, the the only real chance we had all game fell to Yates. He obviously forced a good save. I think it was midway through the first half from just in, well, it was probably from the penalty spot range. Um, and unfortunately, you know, made a good connection, but spun and hit it straight at the keeper. Other than that, limited to long range efforts. Obviously, uh, in the first half, Figueiredo had a half chance, second half, but. Neither keeper was really tested. Um, Samba wasn't overly busy at the other end as well. They had a couple of long ranges. 
Um, I mean, draws draw is a fair result. I mean, draws is the only result just because there is very little quality on display. It, it won't be a game that will live long in the memory. In fact, I, when I was writing my notes back today just to, to, to talk about a few key points, I had to go back and watch some of the highlights. And the, again, it wasn't a lot of those. So, um, yeah, really poor game and, and one to forget. But it was another point. It was another point. I mean, that's the way you say. That'll be the one that the, they'll be disappointed with over Christmas because it's probably two points, another two points there um, that, that, that got away and that were there for the taking. So I suppose that's the only one real downer. Um, and Stoke as well. So moving on to Stoke, I mean, that was, a, you said it up front already. Stoke was a game of two halves. Forest offered absolutely nothing for the first 45 minutes. And once again, the curse of being our own worst enemy struck struck again. Um, the the corner, I mean, a decent save from, from Samba in the first place um, to put it away for a Stoke corner. But Stoke scored directly from the corner after grabbing pretty much jumps under the ball at the near post. I mean, he, he almost goes to, he, he fakes it and goes to head it and then ducks under it. Um, what was he thinking? I don't think he knows what he was thinking, to be fair. It was so hard. I mean, it was, if there was a goal that summed up Forest 2020, that was it. Fair play to him. Like, uh, there's no need for us to pick out anything else because that was just, it was, it was shambles. It was absolutely clown college esque. And uh, yeah, I mean, obviously he's dumped, he's dumped it in the end. I think he's dumped it. That, yeah. Or he's, or, or he's gone to head it and has forgotten what shape a football is and how big it is. Um, it's really odd. But then, obviously, Samba expects him to head it, isn't prepared to for it to come to him. And, yeah, it just goes in. I mean, it was... I mean, Samba, I mean yeah, really it was just an absolute calamity. Because I suppose if Samba's, if Samba's giving him a shout, it, or if... Graven thinks he's giving him a shout. It should should be a relatively straightforward and easy catch for the keeper. It's still at a, still at a relatively decent height. It wasn't as if it was a, a massively dipping ball. Um, but yeah, Graven's ducked under it. it. It's then hit Samba because he's not expecting it and ends up in the back of the net. It was just, just really poor because up until that point, there was nothing really in the game. And, For- and Forrest actually started off without massively threatening. They had a couple of corners themselves. Um, and, and Worrell was causing causing issues from, from the corners. There just there wasn't much in the game. Um, there wasn't much in the game at all. First half, you know, said how bad Forest was. I mean, they were lucky not to go two nil to, to go in at half time, two nil down. Vokes getting free uh, in the box from across free header hits kind of headed straight at Samba. So you would nine times out of ten expect Sam Vokes to put that in the in the bottom corner or the top corner. Um, so. Lucky to get away, but there wasn't that much in the first half. I thought it was a fairly even contest, and that's why it's so frustrating that Forest have done that and they've shot themselves in the foot and they've had to come from behind again. Yeah, I mean, I think I think Stoke were were the better team in the first half. I think uh, I think Forest just looked so lacklustre, um, and I thought just whenever Stoke went forward, they looked they looked like a threat, even without really offering too much themselves looks far more of a threat than, than Forrest did. But, you know, it is textbook Forrest that the goal that they concede is one of their own downfall and one of their own lack of concentration or lack of cohesion within that team. Um, but obviously then they do come out in the second half 
and uh, they do look a bit more of a threat. And, you know, they actually ended up in the game having more possession than Stoke and having more shots, less shots on target because they hmm. hit a barn door. But, you know, they, they, they did have more shots. I think so. I mean, again, so. I couldn't, couldn't tell you at times because it became a really difficult watch. This game became a real difficult watch in the second half, but for different reasons to the Birmingham game. God, the fog just came in from nowhere, didn't it? Um, it made it a lot better. It made it, I think, uh, I preferred, I might put a filter on the <laughs> Forest game now, actually, a fog filter. I quite enjoyed it. It made it more of a challenge, you know, it, was, it made it more I like the camera. I like the change of the camera angle. Very Finkeresque. I did like that. Yeah. You know, you're really scraping the barrel of things to talk about when you're talking about the lovely Sky Sports camera angles that they had. I well, they were lost. They didn't know what yeah, to do with themselves nice. at one point. Well, at one point, I mean, it made Cafu's, obviously we'll come on to it, I'm sure, but Cafu's miss towards the end was <laughs> even worse. But yeah, I mean, <laughs> I mean, the fog, the fog was, was ridiculous. But uh, yeah, I mean, it was... Well, they were better. better. They were better after. Better. So whatever Chris Hewton said to them at half-time, they were much better. I mean, they, they, they grew into the game after the break. Christy had a decent effort uh, after cutting in uh, onto his left. The equaliser with 25 minutes to go. Um, lovely ball in from Knockhart. We've actually managed to get a half-decent ball in that's caused trouble. And um, obviously, headed in by Chester with Worrell applying some some significant pressure, I think. Uh, I think that was it was deserved at that point. That, But it just goes to show, get the ball in dangerous areas and, and challenge in those, in those areas and put pressure on the defenders. You get your rewards. Um, and after that, yeah, I mean, I, I thought Forrest were going to go on and go on and actually win it. Um, and especially in the last 10 minutes, it was all Forrest. Obviously, Lolly having a, a, a fairly decent F after good work from Taylor. Figueroa had a half chance. I mean, the Cafu one-on-one. I mean, I was having nightmares. Obviously, um, I've not been sleeping anyway because I've been a week old baby, but I can't work out whether I weren't sleeping because of that or whether the Cafu miss. It was just uh, the one man you probably didn't. And he's been brilliant, so I'm not knocking him what at all, but he's not. We had a go at him. We had a pop in the last podcast saying that uh, he needed to learn to to shoot and not always try and pass it and lay it off to others. Well, he probably fell to the wrong man. I mean, it was good work after latching onto what could only be said was a shocking back pass. But yeah, he never looked confident, did he? I mean, he had all the time in the world. He, I reckon he could have taken another touch, taken it around the keeper, and then had an easy tap in. But. Um, he wasn't confident. He wasn't confident at all. Yeah, to be fair, <laughs> I don't shoot now. Um, I mean, Sky Sports made it out as if it was a world he nah. saved by the goalkeeper. And I was like, sorry, I mean, you lot are clearly struggling with the fog as well because that was not a good save by the goalkeeper. It was fairly straightforward. Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, it seems again, textbook Forest, it's the wrong, the wrong man that you'd want on the end of that situation. It's just all about... Look at who, who things fall to and where players are at certain times on the pitch. I mean, Cafu makes some fantastic runs, so he needs to learn to get that end product if he's going to continue to be in the right places. But yeah, I mean, it should have ended in a goal, but it was a good, it was much better from Forrest in, in the Yeah, half. I mean, I'd say, Tom, I think mean, say he needed to bury that good couple of chances. They got the goal. I think overall, Forrest probably deserved all three points. I agree with Chris Hewton. Hewton said after the match, he, he thought Forrest deserved to win it on the second half alone. And, and as good as Stoke might, or as better that better than us and Stoke were in the first half, they weren't they weren't peppering Samba 
Um, and I think second half, Forest had enough chances in that last 15, 20 minutes to, to really take the take all three points. Um, I suppose the pleasing thing is, is that Stoke and Mugs, they're a good side. And to come out and obviously battle back from being a goal behind, which Forest don't tend to do that well, um, and then also look like they were going to go on and nick it. You've got to take heart from that. The 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 heart and the fight that they showed after going behind was a real was a huge plus point. Yeah, yeah, I think you've um, you've hit the nail on the head in terms of Stoke are no mugs. Obviously, hard to beat, and Forest looked quite dominant in that second half. You know, Stoke have been rising up in the table. They've been far better this season. Um, obviously, they did um, they did lose to Bournemouth in the end. Um, this weekend, but um, you know, they didn't certainly get hammered. And um, Stoke are a difficult team to play now compared to the team they were last season. Forest shows the quality they've got at their disposal, and it's the first time in a while that I felt that um, you know, a goal was coming for Forest. It's I kind of always felt the other way around. Forest have like got a goal from you know, it hitting the their, their backside mm. or something like that, but in this one, it actually did feel. Like, like something was coming for them rather than yeah. the pressure being all. But a good point on there, Steve. You'd have offered me a point going into Stoke. I think you'd have been happy with that. So, I think good, good point. And then obviously Preston, uh, Preston yesterday. I mean, that classic, classic Forest away performance. This that they actually they were, again there wasn't too much in it first half. Um, well, Forest actually, you know, they started the start the game relatively well, fashioning a couple of half chances, knockout Amiobi. Obviously, Kafu had a half volley just before half time, but again, nothing really to write home. We weren't testing the keeper. Preston, Preston offered pretty much nothing in that first half yesterday, Tom. It was one of those. It was again. It was a. It was a case of just another first half of football, just really seeming to to pass everyone by. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, there was nothing. Not a lot that happened in that first half. I mean, I was watching it. I had that on in front of me, and I had um, a bit of the the prem footy as well. I think it was Palace Sheffield United, and I have to say, I nearly fell asleep in both first halves. They were both both woeful. If anyone cares about the performance in the Palace Sheffield United game as well, um, but yeah, it, there wasn't a lot that, that happened. I wouldn't say Preston were particularly dominant. I mean, if anyone was to have been, you know, more likely to score, it was Preston. But I certainly wouldn't say it was a good watch. It wasn't a good advert for Championship football. That's that's the way I would. Uh, no, and then Preston half. came out second half. Um, Preston came out second half and 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 really kind of started to to click into life a bit. Obviously, Sambra had to make a really good save from a di- diving save to his left from from ba- from a header from Bayliss. Um, which looked like it might nest in the back of the net, um, and then obviously they've started actually. They've hit the bar. So Mark Hazen, I mean, he's hit the bar twice in this match, but he's hit the bar um, early on in the second half, and you you really started to worry there there aren't, aren't you, Tom? That Preston are going to actually come out and just turn the screw on as a touch, and um, that it was going to be quite a long second half for Forest. Yeah, and there were good chances as well. They weren't, you know, hitting out shots. You know, there were good good opportunities for Preston that I really feel like they should have put in the back of the net. Um, they just looked like it wasn't going to be their day. Um, and, you know, I think Houghton probably set the team up to try and stay, just stay in the game. Kind of a typical away performance. Um, 
But yeah, I mean, Preston probably should have should have taken the lead in that second half. But you know, Forrest Forrest stay in the game as Hughton has spoken about so much in his post match interviews in some of the tougher tougher games, and they do get yeah, their, and they got the rewards. Obviously, they got the penalty with just over twenty minutes to go. No arguments of penalty. I mean, he's he's the fellow thought he was in net. I think he's he's gone to dive to save it at the near post. Um, can't believe they're even arguing that one. He, he's 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 died full length and he's he's blatantly caught his hands. I don't know what the don't know what he was protesting about. You're not giving it. I don't know, Chris. I'm not not giving it. I don't think it's as clear cut as 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 that. I think uh, you know he does have his arm up at first, uh, but then he falls. Um, and unfortunately, his arm does then. It's a smashing save. Land in an unnatural position. <laughs> it's a great save in the end, but I'm not sure how intentional it was by him. But look, I mean, the rules of football have become, even though they've tried to make them more and more clear cut, are probably the least clear cut in the world. And obviously, you know, if VAR was um, was in charge, of that would he have given it? I'm not sure, but um, look, the Forest did get the penalty. Uh, we're lucky we don't have VAR in the Championship, not just because of that, just because it's an absolute shambles. But, you know, they do get the penalty. And the penalty, I think, is probably more of a VAR decision than the actual um, the penalty being given because the, the, the penalty that Graben took um, was not as clean and clear. Whatever you say, um, penalty and Graben, it's never... It's never an easy watch. It's always a bit of a bit of a nervous. But yeah, when he uh, when he slips as he as he goes to, to 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 kick the penalty, yeah, you you do fear. I've watched it back a few times. I I, I don't think he double kicks. I think he kicks the back of his uh, of his foot. So I, I think if that had been VAR, I think I think we'd have been okay. But yeah, just a bit of a another bit of a calamity there. But hey, it went in, it went in the back of the net, and uh, job done as far as Grabs is concerned. Um, he's got his goal and. Obviously, a little bit of a um, you know nice touch for him, especially obviously after their the error at Stoke to 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 get what ultimately turned out to be the match winner. Um, good, good, really good moment. Really pleased for him. Yeah, and obviously that that allows him to you know build on something and allows Forrest to build on something. I think a win was important because as much as the you know, unbeaten run is is nice when it's full of draws, and some of those draws aren't necessarily good draws. Um, you know, the win away at Preston, regardless of how good the game was and the quality of the performance, it just allows Forest to now build on something. And like we've already said, they've got a bit of time to now build on that with an. Effort yeah, look, Forest don't win. Forest don't tend to win very regularly at Preston, so and they are a tough tough side to. to to play against the tough side to beat Preston. So it's a cracking result. I just want to ask, go back to the, the grabbing penalty for a sec. I've seen a few people uh, having watched the highlights and watched the replays have talked about um, when Graben scored the penalty. Obviously, I think it was Yates here and it might have been uh, Knockhart who go in to celebrate. And then Yates, he ends up summoning the, the rest of the team over to celebrate with Graben. Um, some people reading into that, that, that there's therefore kind of a, a split in the camp and a, a fraction of the fraction of the camp. Um, see it that way. I, I don't personally kind of buy that, but um, was a touch unusual, I suppose. Uh, yeah, I suppose. I mean, I, I think it's 
so easy to read too much into things in any walk of life, never mind in football where you don't know anything about these players, even though you think you do because they play for your football club, but we really don't know anything about their personalities apart from some robotic pre and post-match interviews that they get scripted anyway. So um, it's it's difficult to really read anything into that. I'm certainly not reading too much into it. Too, too, too well, cold. Really, to be fair, it was, I mean, I don't, know, I, I don't know what I'm saying. I left the house in about two weeks, but um, it's definitely <laughs> chilly. It definitely looked you there. I suppose from that moment onwards, it was a case of then could Forrest hold on? Um, and it was a nervy twenty. It was a nervy twenty minutes. Um, Barkhausen again hitting the bar. You just got a sense it was a bit like the Barnsley game um, earlier in the season, where Forrest and Forrest had, had, had quite a, a decent few chances there, and were actually probably uh, you know arguably the better side. Like they could go on and get all three points there for Barnsley then to hit the bar, hit the bar, hit the bar, and then finally obviously get one towards the end. You were getting nervous when when they were kind of coming forward, as you say, hitting the bar again. And then stoppage time ended up being epic. Nine minutes of stoppage time. Obviously, originally there was five, but, but there was a kind of a clash of heads. Sam forcing to make you know, another good save from Gallagher, from a, from a Gallagher free kick right at the end. Um, I mean, how many times have we seen him score against us as well? Um, Ex-Leicester man. Uh, you, you feared, I mean, I was a little bit worried when that free kick was lined up towards the end that, that, that Forrest were going to kind of get there, come up and especially so late in the game and especially so deep into um, time added on. It was it was one of those where you really feared for Forrest. But, hey, they held on huge, huge, huge three points, I think, that one. Um, as you say, they all really, really put them in good stead now as they move forward. They've got that faith in that ability now to actually go and win games away from home at difficult places. Yeah, yeah, and I think um, you know it just allows them now to to take hold of the new year and try and build on build on that. And they know that you know they've beaten someone. It's not just like the Wickham and Coventry games where they've won home games, which they'd be expected to win. They've gone away at Preston and difficult, although they've not had the best season so far. Um, you know, it's still a difficult place to go. Historically, been a historical place, a difficult place. Well, to go. Yeah. Historically, a historical place to go as well. Um, but yeah, it gives them it gives them now an opportunity to build on that, and it's a it's a good three points. And Forest will be happy with the the five points over. Yeah, four points early from that Preston and Stoke game, as we said earlier, the one game that will really know probably the back of Chris Hutton's mind is Birmingham. Um, if they could have just added the extra two points there, then we really would have had a a, a tip top Christmas. But by by all means, by no means that that is still a good five five points to to take into that next run of fixtures. Um. I suppose if we were looking at the negatives um, of the three performances, they need to do a little bit more, don't they? And we've said it for quite some time now. But in the sense of in the attacking third, we need to be asking more questions of the opposition. And when we get the chance to play the ball in, or or kind of or shoot, or try and play the through ball, they've really got to to execute that obviously much better, and also just try to be mindful of picking out the, the, the right option. Um, I mean, there's there's a lot of crosses have gone into the box over recent games, but they've gone to absolutely no one in the centre, uh, either under hit, over hit, um, wrong selection, played the ball too quick. You, you could go on. There's so many examples of that. But I suppose that's something that they will, they will want to and they will need to work on. Um, and it might be something that they will need to work on as part of the transfer window. 
yeah, you know, it's not a new problem. Um, it's a problem we always knew Forest have had. They're not very good at decision-making in the final third when they go forward. And they're not very good at, at finishing off chances. You know, sometimes when it's easier to put the cross in, they decide to go through the middle where no one is. Sometimes they decide to put the cross in when everyone's waiting, you know, uh, for something to come through the middle. It, it seems like that's still a problem that they have, that they can't read each other that well when it comes to to the final third and putting balls in and, and making themselves a threat or running at defences or people just taking taking that responsibility of, of trying to, you know, massively concern uh, opposition back lines. And that is something which will be the priority for them, I'm sure, in the January transfer window, um, especially if the likes of Knockout do, do leave. You know, they need to look a at the... A forest too easy to defend against? Are we... Do we... Because... You know, you see it. Forest sometimes are probably more often than they do last than they did last season. Have a lot more of the ball um, this season, but without really turning the opposition defences inside out. There, you know, opposition defences seem to be comfortable. We don't turn them enough. They're they're, they're playing. The game seems to be always played in front of the opposition defence, and we've not got them turning and defending, facing their own goal. Um, is that something obviously Forest needs to work on both on the training ground? Because obviously we don't want to be spending, we, we won't be spending, I wouldn't have thought, millions and millions in this January transfer window. So it's something they're going to have to work on. Do Forest have that talent already within that squad to, to do that? Or is that, is, or is that an unfair criticism? I think they've got talent. I think they've got talent. I think um, the problem comes with the types of talent that they have. They, tend to have nothing in their central midfield that allows them to create from, uh, you know, defence to attack. There's no link up there. And then you find that Knockart or Lolly or whoever it is in the centre then has to come deep to get the ball, which means that they're initially then turning to run at defences. Um, and then your players up front grabbing, obviously, is more of a poacher and waits for things to come to him. I know he does. I, I know you'll be angry by me saying that. You know, he does work hard and he does come deep at times to, to get it. But he isn't necessarily someone I would say um, who who can create a direct threat from coming deep. He usually just links things up. And Lyle Taylor needs to do a bit more in that respect as well. So, Forrester always, you know, they haven't got enough threat in central midfield for players to for defences to feel worried about about uh, Forest attackers running past them or running through the lines. Um, and they haven't got enough um, enough different options. There's no, there's not enough variety within their attack. It's all very one-dimensional at the moment and that needs to be looked at. Right, as we said then, Tom, at the start of the pod, obviously it is our least favourite time of the year at the minute, uh, the January transfer window. What, um, what do you think... Chris Hewitt's focus is going to be this January. Um, got a bit of a big job on his hands, I reckon. Yeah, yeah. I mean, God, every window. There's no gone of the windows where you don't sign anyone, and it's proper boring. Or you just sign an emergency player because of an injury, in it. Yeah, um, I'll tell you that. Um, I think he will be looking out wide again, um, and I think he's got a decision to make with regards to the number 10, 10 role um, and whether that consists of recalling Brennan Johnson or bringing someone else in potentially or 
And I think for me, anyway, he needs to look at how he wants his central midfield to work going forward. At the moment, it's quite one-dimensional back there. So, you know, is there something he wants to do there? I think they're they're going to be the three main focuses. Mm. Um, And it'll be interesting, obviously. He's already come out and said he don't expect loads to happen. He don't expect it to be done quickly. And I also doubt there'll be a lot of cash splashed because obviously we also, another thing we need to look at is getting rid of, of person, person. Well, I'm going to say, Tom, because obviously we've just talked there about what's he going to do in terms of his of his incomings. I think from an incoming point of view, I think there'll be likely be two, possibly three at a push. Um, I think he'll bring in another striker. Um, I think he will bring in a uh, another wide player. And then there'll be in a central midfielder, and the, the, that could either be a, another more dynamic box-to-box central midfielder, or, or an additional number ten to support the cast they've got already. But um, that's probably the one where they might not bring that in. I would certainly expect another striker and another wide man to come in, um, because that's where I think he will. He he sees that the the shortcomings in that squad but I think it's a bigger window to try and balance up what is already a bloated squad bearing in mind the way we went about our business um in the summer and and you've got to think what does the what does the future hold for the likes of another and I went through the squad list earlier you know it's it's outrageous that we're already talking about some of these players leaving some of them um one of them has not even kicked a ball for us so uh, the likes of Dirichwa um Ianu, Blackett, Basharu, even Guerrero has obviously been linked with a move away. Um, what does the future hold for those? Do we see do we see those guys leaving before more players come in? Yeah, I think we've got to look at some of that Deadwood leaving, especially now we've got only a 25-man squad it's supposed to be. Um, you know, Derek Quare is obviously seemingly been been the one that's been cast out in terms of the right back options when we've also got Christie and and Jenkinson as well as two young potential right back options out on loan in, in Gabriel and and um Richardson. Richardson. Um and then you know Ianu um is obviously been linked with Aris in, in Greece. So is and Huddersfield randomly. And Huddersfield, yes. Um and then Blackett, another one who's barely played, but when he has played, to be fair, has looked pretty, pretty bad. Um, and then yeah, Bashiru, who, who could be, you know, the 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 answer to our midfield problems. Um, obviously, he hasn't played since the Barnsley Cup game. Um, you know, and obviously it's that's been said to be due to to injury. But I think there's. Definitely room that Forest Forest need to look at and get rid of Deadwood purely and simply because these players will be taking up large amounts of wages. Um, you know, everyone talks about transfer fees, but they get paid in instalments over the the three year period or whatever it is now. Mm. So, so the wages are, are the big problem, um, and they need to look at reducing that wage bill down before they can even consider probably looking to get anyone else in. Yeah, Guerrero is an interesting one because when he's played, there's been glimpses where he's looked good and obviously there's the game 
I think it was the um, the Wiccan game where he played up top with with Taylor, and they like they had a part a good partnership going. And he's definitely got something to offer. But obviously, by all accounts, he he wants out. He's actually the one that's trying to get his contract terminated. Probably wants to go and play um, more regular first team football. He's obviously well, you know, he's behind Gravin and Taylor in the pecking order at Forest. Um, Gravin was obviously some question marks when he was being linked with a move with Sabri um, to Qatar. Um, Earlier, well, earlier on in the season, obviously, seemingly, bear in mind, he's still been selected and has now come back into the team as captain. You would expect Graben to at least see this season out alongside, obviously, Taylor up there. So, if Guerrero was to go, probably a target man type you would need in there just to give you another diff- a different dimension, a different offer, um, a different offering up top, if you like. Um, I could definitely see that being the case, Guerrero out and a, and a target man in. Um Obviously, we've been linked with quite heavily with Grzycki and Murray. Um, Grzycki, you would have expected Forrest to have been linked with him. Again, bear in mind, um, what was it, 27 seconds, whatever it was, that we, we missed out in, in terms of signing him earlier on in the season on the last transfer deadline day. And Glenn Murray feels like a, a, maybe a lazy link. Obviously, he'd signed for Watford on loan, didn't really get a, much of a look in at Watford. He's had his loan deal terminated, knows knows Chris Houston very well, obviously from his time at Brighton. So two and two, putting two and two together there, coming up with with five. But obviously he's he's no spring chicken now, he's 37. Um, so is that the right type of player that Forrest should be going for? Bear in mind, you know, we have still got a job to do this season in terms of, of staying in the league and didn't think I'd be saying that at the start of this season. But that obviously needs to be the aim and it's very tight, congested down there. So is it a case of getting through, getting players in that will do a job this season and reassessing in the summer? Or do you would you hope that Forrest will plan a little bit more long-term, which doesn't tend to be the case with Forrest and transfer business? No, I'd want them to look long-term, but I've been wanting them to look long-term the whole time and they never do look long-term. Forrest are always the club that go after players three, four years after they should have got them and, and were linked with them back in those years in the first place, lost out and have kept those same players on the shortlist. You know, well, it was a few years ago we were linked with, we've constantly been linked with Glenn Murray, really, haven't mm. we? He's now 37. And look, I know there's a job to do and people might go, yeah, well, bringing that experience is vital when you're, you're near the bottom. It doesn't have to be done that way. Other teams, you know, will look at the future. You know, you can sign players that have, hit the ground running or in a purple patch of form within the lower leagues, within League One, um, and, you know, can continue that confidence. Sometimes it's worse to bring in players that have experience but aren't playing because they've then got to get up to speed Mm. quick and they often never really do. You know, when you look at when Forrest were in a relegation scrap under Billy, you know, the players he bought, brought in weren't OAPs. They were players that, you know, Forrest were quite shrewd, really, in that window with the likes of Gunter and Blackstock. And Blackstock wasn't wasn't old. He was um, still very much in his prime, but just not getting a game at QPR. And, you know, Forrest need to be smart with the way they do things. They don't have to look old. They don't have to look at super experience. They can get players in, per- in a purple patch if, obviously, the, the fee is, is a decent one. Um and right for the club, and you know, do it that way. I would, I would want them to look long term. Um, I'm kind of sick to death of Forest signing players about four or five years past the 
point we should have signed him in the first place. Yeah, no, I, think I agree to an extent on that one. Um, I think the, the, the Glen Murray boat probably would have done a job for us last season, but I think that, that boat's now sailed and I think we, we, we shouldn't really kind of go down that route. But yeah, I'd like some exciting. I think the problem with Forrest is you, we've got experienced championship players, supposedly, in the ranks. I think there needs to now be a sprinkling of um, young, kind of youthful talent with pace uh, that can hurt teams and maybe a little bit raw as well. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, but maybe somebody that you need to kind of take under your wing and and, and train up and, and kind of develop and that should really be the aim. And you would hope that between Chris Hewton and Gary Brazil now leading the, the recruitment side of things, so we're led to believe, that that is the type of player they will go after. I think it'd be really interesting to see who any potential incomings are in this window. But let's not expect miracles because January is notoriously a difficult month to bring players into the football club. If, if you didn't have to do business, you don't think you would in January um, because you end up paying well over the odds. Um, and it always goes on all the way through the month to the kind of right to the last knocking. So let's think as fans, we need to be patient. I think the club will want to do something. Chris Hewton will want to do something. Um, but I think, yeah, patience is going to be required. We talked about players needing to get some of our dead wood out. And you would think that actually there'll be moves being lined up for a whole host of players that Forrest don't necessarily want. One player that obviously we do want, so the vast majority of people will want, is um, is Joe Worrell. Obviously, Burnley have been now been taken over. Um, we'll have more money in the, the bank Obviously, uh, Sean Dyche is a massive long-term admirer of Joe Worrell. Do we think we'll have an issue there keeping hold of him this January? I think we'll be fine in Jan. I think, um, you know, that might be one to come back on in the summer. Um, I think it's also dependent. We're, we're, we're assuming a lot at the moment about the fact, obviously, they've just been taken over by some American investors. Um but I don't know how much everyone knows about these American investors, but we don't know what they're willing to spend. Um, and if they are spending, willing to spend a lot, maybe Joe Worrell isn't now on the top of, of uh, Sean Dyche's Fair list. Point, so yeah. um, it seems like a lazy link again. The likelihood is he probably is still on the list somewhere for Sean Dyche, whether that be top or middle. Um but um, I don't think there'll be a problem in Jan, personally. I think that's probably one which will likely come back up again in the summer. So, if you were in charge, what does your dream window look like the next three or four weeks, five weeks? Oh, well, my dream window will be looking at lower lower league players, you know, the likes of Dembele at Peterborough. There's two... Um, Two League One players I've heard that might be quite expensive for championship clubs to get that are doing quite well in Brennan Johnson and Marcus McGuinn. I wonder where where they're from. Um, but um, yeah, Sirike Dembele. Um, there's you know there is loads of gems that you can find in that league, and obviously people go well. They don't necessarily always always do well. Well, Forrest are seeing that not necessarily all your experienced previous championship successful players do really well that's the art of football and being at the right club at the right time but you know it would be the the perfect window would be getting a sprinkling of young purple patch talent um that um can add something to some of the older experienced deads that we've got and can take games by a bit more passion and, and want to prove something on that pitch rather than having players that have been there done that and 
probably already uh, pretty happy with what they've talked about. Brain Johnson, I think that's the conundrum this time around. Obviously, this time last year it was Tyler Walker, um, and there was a big clamour. Tyler Walker was obviously doing really well for Lincoln at the time, and there was a you know Forest needed a striker to to, to support Lewis Graven last year, and there was real clamour for him to come back, and obviously didn't really work out for him. And you know, I know he came back and scored against Leeds, and then. Covid hit, and then didn't really get a look in in that um, in the return um, after the lockdown period. Um, what Brendan Johnson? It's a hard one as a football club. What do you do with Brendan Johnson? Because at the minute he's playing for a Lincoln City team that are top of the league, absolutely flying. He's getting a lot of game time, scoring a lot of goals, and that experience for him will be absolutely vital. Um, likewise, obviously you could bring him back, and, and as long as you're going to play him, that's fine. But obviously. There's, there's significant competition for places at Forest now. Whether you think that the talent in that number ten role is is what it should be and what it can be, obviously Cafu has come in and done a you know a relatively good job, and we've talked about that. Obviously, free Luke Freeman who hasn't pulled up any trees whatsoever since he's signed, but he's now on the way back from injury and should be fit um, at some point in January. And you would still hope that there's a player in there as well. Um, that we were chasing really hard this time last year. Um, so my gut feel is that Brendan Johnson's better off left at Lincoln for the full season. The worst thing would be to bring him back and and halt his growth, if you like, just by not giving him the required game time. But I can see the flip side of that as well. Yeah, I mean, the argument I can't constantly am hearing from people is, well, look at Tyler Walker, look at Tyler Walker, look at Tyler Walker. Well, not everything has to be looked at like Tyler Walker because we had Lewis Graben last season on, on form and was obviously holding my place. We've just sat here and complained that Forrest don't have enough going forward and enough up front, nothing attack. And they have a ready-made option ready for them. Now, look, people might say, you know, Forrest, is it the right time, really, Forrest bringing him back when they're in the position that they are in the table? But why not? You know, he offers something going forward. He's scoring goals. He's clearly a threat and in, in running at teams, creating chances. And it also solves a problem in us saying that we don't have enough of a, a creative link up between our defence to attack because you can put Cafu further back if you really wanted to um, or you have to bring in and buy a central midfielder for me if you're not going to bring Brennan Johnson back um, yet Freeman is obviously on the verge of coming back but he didn't didn't prove enough for me uh, when he was playing games at the start of the season and we don't know the form he's going to be in when he comes back you could say that's more of a risk because he's been injured long term and now has to try and fit into a new squad again so it's it's an interesting one. I think it's a hardcore for anyone. And the, the problem is, is that regardless of what happens, you know, people say if he comes back and he flops, then people go, oh, I told you so, he should stay at Lincoln. But then you could also argue he could do really well. And I'll say, oh, yeah, you were all a bunch of idiots for saying otherwise. <laughs> so you don't know what's going to happen in football. That's that's the answer. You know, you don't. we don't know whether Brennan Johnson will hit the ground running if he came back to Forest. I just personally think if you've got an opportunity there as a club, you know that there is something you really need that you already own and you can recall and bring back. And he's in a purple patch. I've just said for the need for players in a purple patch in lower league clubs, you know, he's one. He's one of the outstanding ones at the moment in that division. And we would pay five to ten million pounds potentially if they were if it was at a Peterborough or something like that uh, to bring them in like a Sirico Dembele 
um, why not then give it a, give it a go? You know, I just don't see see the harm because what's the harm of you know if Forest finish in a relegation battle still this season and then you bring him back in the summer while well, you go oh. God, does he want to come back to this? So it's never a good time. It's not. It's not going to be a good time this January or in the summer. But um, I would bring him back personally. Fair enough. Right, FA Cup. <laughs> FA Cup. I can't can't argue that. Tom. Can't argue with that. Um, right, as we said, FA Cup next weekend. Cardiff at home on telly. Randomly, I'm not sure why they've selected that one. I think we are on BT Sport Extra Four, whatever it is. Um, couldn't see it earlier, but Cardiff at home. How does Chris Hughton approach this? Does he use the squad depth that we've talked about to obviously get important game time into some of the fringe players, or does he build on what progress has been made over the last few weeks and play his strongest team? Tom brings Brendan Johnson back now. Um, <laughs> um, I would use it as an opportunity to um play some of those players. Um, that maybe he wants to have a bit more of a look at. Um, I don't see any harm in doing that personally. Um, are Forest really that bothered? I know people go, oh, you can't say that about the FA Cup and everyone likes an FA Cup run. And I would say that if we could go to the games and I could potentially go to one of the <laughs> away games. But I just think right now it's a good opportunity. You could see this as him just giving those players a rest. He seems quite keen on giving his main squad arrest anyway, whenever he can. So I would use this to shake things up a little bit, uh, maybe give Martin more of a go as well. Um, if anyone's available to come back in, you know, use it, you know, get Mbe So back in there, give him some another 90 minutes because he deserves it. I think Hewton knows he probably deserves it. Um, and yeah, I mean, if there's, if there's anyone else, you know, from the academy who's maybe taking his eye, you can look at that as well. I, I would shake it up. Um, I and I think Cardiff will probably also shake it up. Um, I, I don't think this one's going to be. No, no, threat. I'm not expecting it to be a classic. Um, I, I flip it. I, I, I hope he, I hope he goes with actually tried and tested and, and and doesn't make too many changes. Maybe two or three changes maximum for me. But I think we we've not been in great form for quite a long parts of this season. We've now got a bit of an unbeaten run going. Um, and, and trying to obviously still really trying to get the performance level up to where it needs to be to match those um, results. I think this is just another good chance for us to get a positive result under our belts at home against a team in our league who, again, Cardiff at the minute, they're, they're not, they don't pull up any trees, they're currently 15th. Um, they're probably they're having a fairly average season by their standards. So it's definitely a chance to progress. It's a chance to put right, obviously, the 2-0 the defeat earlier on in the season as well, which I'm sure won't be at the back of too many players' minds. But um I just I think it's good to keep the run going, to keep the team performing. I say two or three changes maximum for me, but I wouldn't be making the wholesale seven, eight changes, bringing people in from the academy. Um I, I hope and, and judging by the way he's gone around, gone about things since he's been here, I, I, I can't see Chris Houston going down that um, the 11 changes route anyway. I, I think it'll be two or three changes, freshen it up a touch, maybe bring Taylor in for grabbing. Um, maybe, as you say, yeah, bring Myton into, into it a touch um, and maybe give Arta some game time or something in the centre midfield. I don't know, but I'm not expecting too many changes, but a real good chance to, to progress this one for me. Um, where you going, what's, your, what's your prediction for this one, Tom? 
it's a hard one to call, but I'm going to go two one Forest just to keep up that um, keep up the the optimism. Yeah, I'm, I'm going against. to go two nil. I'm uh, going to go two nil Forest. I didn't bother going into analysing Cardiff from a uh, personnel and formation perspective because, as we say, the likelihood is they they will probably make changes similar to us. So um, who knows what's going to happen? But I'm I'm going to go for a Forest win on this one. So cool. Right, should we wrap it up there, Tom? Um, that's taken it out of me completely tonight. So I'm going to go literally put the microphone down and go straight to bed, I think. So, um, yeah, if you want to look, if you want to get in contact with us, you can email us at the usual address of timeaddedonpod at outlook.com. Or if you want to give us a follow on Twitter or give us some stick on Twitter, follow us on at timeaddedonpod. See you next week, guys. You read.